Spring Fling is an online conference for teacher business owners, and it's happening again on March 22nd through the 24th. I'm excited to share that I will be presenting at the conference again for the fourth time, believe it or not. And my topic is all about creating the resources that teachers really want. And I'm so excited to share with you this topic. It's something I haven't really shared about before, all about product creation. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many other topics that you're going to love. If you're wondering what Spring Fling is, this is an event for teacher business owners who are using their business to make an impact. So if you want to amp that up, then this is just a free online conference where you can meet other teacher business owners, connect with others, and also learn a lot of great insight and information that is kept with the times it's up to date for 2024 so if this is something you're interested in i highly recommend you check out my affiliate link in the description where you're listening to this episode you can sign up completely for free but there is also an extra upgrade that you can access it's all access pass with extra bonuses and more time to watch all of the amazing sessions so i can't wait to see you there i hope you can sign up So let's say you have an anchor piece of content. What I consider like my anchor content would be my blog or a lot of people, like if you have a podcast where you're basically sharing long form content. And then what I do is I create a lot of my Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook content around what I'm sharing on the blog that week, as well as um, whatever I'm sharing in my emails. And so Where I usually am creating my video content is typically on TikTok first, or you could on Instagram. But once you're creating that video content, like I said, you can save it without the watermark and basically repurpose that for Pinterest. So it's kind of changing your mindset a little bit and thinking about, okay, when I'm going to create on TikTok and Instagram, what is going to resonate on these different platforms. And like I said, the trends and some of the fun stuff still has its place, but I kind of think I've changed my mindset a little bit about like, okay, what could I create on TikTok that I could also share on Pinterest and Instagram? You're listening to the Creative Teacher Podcast, a show for busy teachers looking for ways to engage, inspire, and make an impact in their teacher businesses. I'm Kirsten a teacher business owner who is all about simple and actionable tips, strategies, and resources that result in wins, big or small. If you're looking for that extra spark of creativity, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in together. Hey there, TPT seller friends. I am really excited for this episode because we have another special guest. Emily Vales is on here with us. She is a Pinterest guru, knows a ton of things about driving traffic from Pinterest to your TPT store. And I know, I'm sure you all are aware that, you know, Pinterest has been frustrating to say the least. What we know about Pinterest or what we've been doing that works with the static pins and all of that is just not cutting it. It's not working as well as we have used or maybe are used to seeing. 
But here we are going to talk about something that is trending on Pinterest. We always love to stay current and relevant. I'm a big proponent of that. So Emily's going to be talking about idea pens. She's going to go into the ins and outs of idea pens and how we could utilize this new feature Pinterest has to our advantage. So this is a really great episode to tune into. Let's go ahead and listen in. All right. So we have Emily Vales. Welcome to the Creative Teacher Podcast. Hey, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Yes. So first off, go ahead and talk to us about yourself and any teaching experience you have. Yeah. So I am a former teacher. I taught for three and a half years, which I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, and it feels like a lifetime ago, which it it kind of was a long time ago that I was in the classroom. So I actually stopped teaching in the fall of 2017. And that was the year that I had my older daughter. So I recently just had our third baby, (laughs) but once we had her, I decided to, well, actually at the time to rewind just a little bit, I had discussed it with the school and I kind of knew that I didn't want to go back full-time. So Mm -hmm. they were so great. I loved the school I worked at. There was a lot of things that were difficult, um, but (laughs) anyways, they were able to, they worked something out with me where I was able to work part-time. So I just knew that it just, I just didn't want to go back full-time. So anyways, they allowed me to go back part-time, which is kind of unheard of, right? For a classroom teacher. And I did have a co-teacher. So they had this consistency in the classroom and kind of what I was touching on about it being difficult, um, it was, it's an, it was an inner city school and, um, it was just, there's a lot of situations and Mm -hmm. family dynamics. And it was honestly, I was so invested in my students and I loved them and it was really hard to make the decision. But once I had my daughter, I knew that ultimately it wasn't in my family's best interest or honestly, it just didn't even financially make sense for me to return to the classroom. Yeah. And when we honestly probably should have thought about it a little bit more, but there's just so much to consider obviously when you're having a baby. But when we sat down and we were doing the finances, we were like, oh my gosh, I was almost going to be like paying to work, not even really like breaking even or maybe paying for like groceries. So it just didn't make sense for me to return to the classroom. And like I said, it was really hard because I think that teachers obviously play an important role in all students' lives, no matter what's going on at home. It's just a different person that's important in their life. And anyways, I felt so extra attached to my students because I felt like when they were coming to school, they were coming to eat, they were coming to feel safe. And it was just a lot different because they didn't have that stability at home. Mm -hmm. So I felt like this deep sense of, I just felt guilty. I guess guilt is the right word. Mm -hmm. So I felt really bad about leaving. But like I said, I ultimately had to do what was in the best interest of our family. And like I said, the school was so great. And they had told me, they're like, you'll always have a job here. And so that's good. um, Yeah. I'm on the same, I guess, wavelength as you, as far as like, I want to go back, but like, you know, I guess they kind, they do have some part-time stuff, but as far as going back full-time, I don't know if it would be in my family's interest to go back either. It's just, there's so many different things at play happening with our family right now. So I still miss teaching all the time, but I think that 
through working with teachers, it's <laughs> in a weird way filled that little void. I still feel like connected to education in the classroom. So anyways, fast forward and I took a course to start my freelance business. And after a year of social media management, I pivoted to Pinterest. So that's what I've been doing for the past uh let's see, it'll be, will that be four years this summer? But really I've only niched down to Pinterest the past three years, but. And that's going to be the topic of today's conversation. So that'll be fun. So (laughs) you kind of already mentioned a little bit about it, but go ahead and talk about your journey as a teacherpreneur. I know you um, were working at some point part-time or considering it. And ultimately, you decided that staying at home with your family would be the best interest. So talk to us about how you got into being a teacherpreneur and a VA. Yeah. So I actually, one part I actually left out was that I took about eight months to adjust to motherhood, which Mm -hmm. was really nice. So that fall of 2017, I did not go back. I decided not to go back part-time. And from that fall until the summer, I really just adjusted to having a child, which I feel like I had nannied and done lots of different things with children Mm -hmm. apart from teaching. And I just feel like nothing can really prepare you for having a baby and all the things that go along with it. So it was nice to have that time, but really what made me decide to find another way to make income without returning to the classroom was because we were kind of used to living a certain lifestyle and taking vacations. And it's not that we couldn't have made it work, but we had also just moved to a new house. And so there is, I just, I also enjoy using my brain and creativity in another way. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to discredit, you know, being a mom and how much I love that, but it felt really good to think about doing something different and mm-hmm. investing myself in something else. And I enjoy making money if I'm being honest. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's nice to have something other than just like motherhood and duties with that, that go with that. It's like having your own little thing. I almost like, I don't know. I almost want to say creative outlet as well, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you're helping others. Yes. I was just joking with somebody about this the other day and I'm like, I'm not sure what this says about me, but sometimes I feel like if I do get a babysitter, cause I don't have, um, right now, like regular childcare. I do have, since I just had a baby, my mother-in-law has been helping a lot, but mm-hmm. after probably a couple of months, um, it's really too far for her to commute and help. Yeah. So anyways, when I do have a babysitter, it's like a treat to go to Starbucks and like work uninterrupted. <laughs> and I, like I said, I don't I know bet. what that's about me, but that's like me time. But yeah, I really do love what I do now. And through that, like I said, that freelance course I took, it really taught me not how, not only how to start my business and all the legal things that you have to go through, but it kind of showed me all the possibilities mm-hmm. of what you could offer as a freelancer. And so I started very general just as a VA and kind of offering a little bit of everything. And then I quickly niched down to social media and I just got really burnt out on that. Mm -hmm. And it was actually not a teacher client, but a somebody who owned like a bow business who asked me to work or play around with her Pinterest. And she knew I knew nothing, Mm -hmm. but she just wanted somebody to start like experimenting, I guess. And Mm -hmm. Through that, I figured out how much I love Pinterest. And that was the summer of 2019. Okay. And um, I also, that first summer, I had, I landed a client that 
was a TPT seller. And then it was funny how it worked out because then I started having more um, teacherpreneurs or TPT sellers coming to me. And I think that because I'm a former teacher, I obviously connected with them yes, in a different way. And I understood their business mm-hmm. and the keywords and all those things that go into that. And so that's kind of how I ended up where I am. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool journey. And it's always good to be able to find your niche and to really get focused into something not only that you're good at, but that you enjoy. And I know for, I guess, many TPT sellers out there, Pinterest is not the best, you know, of friends with them, with all of the algorithm changes and all of what they're focusing on right now, which is exactly why I wanted to bring you on so that you can kind of talk to those new changes to our listeners. So um, the topic today we're going into is idea pens. And I'm really excited about this because I don't really know that much about it other than like I posted a couple of idea pens, but I have, I had no idea what I was doing. So I'm sure other people are in the same boat, but just go ahead and talk to us about what is an idea pen. Yeah. So idea pens are the newest pen format that Pinterest has released. And I say newest, but it's been around for a little while now. So I believe it was the summer of 2020 where the very beginning phases of rolling that out in beta. Mm -hmm. And then winter of 2021 was when I started seeing most of my clients start to have access to that specific pen format. And the thing that can be frustrating is Pinterest when they roll out a feature And I guess it's kind of similar to other platforms as well, because I remember people on Instagram saying that they got the link feature or the sticker, you know, for their stories. And I'm like, it took me a little while to get that. And so, you know how platforms are. So for a while, a lot of people didn't have the um, option to create an idea pin. But when I started seeing them rolled out really across all of my clients' accounts, um, there was two things. So you either had it you know, add it to your account basically, or you could request access to them. Mm-hmm. So weird. I had one client who she does, she's been a TPT seller for years. She does very well. And she's been on Pinterest for a long time. And I requested access for her so many times and it took us multiple months to get them. So she's in the U S because the other thing is, is they weren't rolled out across like basically like worldwide to, you know, all countries. So they were really, but I would say across the U S almost all accounts had them. Mm -hmm. So there are these multi-page pins back to that and you can share static images. So what we're kind of used to with our standard pins, or you can also share video Mm -hmm. or a combination of the two. So you could have like one page be a video, then the next page be a standard Um, image. And they were first called story pins. And I think that this confused people because the format is actually different. The dimensions are a little bit different than your typical pin. It's still vertical content, but with them, they almost look like how you would click through an Instagram story. Mm -hmm. That's not how Pinterest intended them to be used, where you can share kind of a little bit of your life, a little bit of randomness. Right. Humor. I mean, I'll share memes, whatever. And so I think that last spring, Pinterest basically renamed them idea pins because 
I think there was that confusion about what do I use them for? Mm -hmm. So like I said, there are these multi-page pins. You cannot link them. So you can't drive traffic to your website or your TPT store directly. So they don't have that ability. And um, you really need to be sharing a fully conceptualized idea. So when somebody watches your idea pin, they're like, oh, I can go take action now. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of times with a standard pin or a video pin, you're almost kind of teasing people in a way where you're like giving them like um, the top 10 must try classroom management tips. Or, you know, you're trying to entice people to click through to your website. Mm -hmm. Whereas an idea pin, Pinterest wants the pinner to feel like, okay, I can go and take action after I watch this idea pin. So I think what business owners were feeling frustrated about is it was confusing. Like, how is this serving me if they're not going to my website? (laughs) So they did roll out the ability to tag products and affiliates. Okay. So with that said, though, you could not tag your TPT products. So Mm -hmm. I think with teachers, that was a little bit hard. However, I've actually (laughs) gone back and forth. Um, I love Kate all and the people at simple pin and like, we'll like bounce ideas off of each other. But I was talking to them at simple pin because I, I wish I could say I knew everything there is to know, but I was on Pinterest and I saw somebody tag their TPT product in an idea pin. And I'm like, really? Then, yes. And so then I started playing around with it. And this is, there is something that's important to know. Some TPT sellers also have their products on Etsy Mm-hmm. If it's on Etsy, that's no problem to tag your product. So then in a way you kind of feel like it's not the direct link, but if people click on it, they can good then go to that product. Right. But um, anyways, I've been playing around with it a little bit and sometimes I'm able to tag a TPD product and sometimes I'm not, it's, it's kind of glitchy. <laughs> so hopefully that'll be, you know, in the next year, it'll be, the kinks will be worked out. Yes. Yeah. So like, like I said, there's in, even with like, I'm on, I'm pretty active on TikTok. I've had people tell me that they're in the U S and they still don't have idea pins. So like you said, I think that there's, there's clearly some kinks that need to be worked out, but Mm -hmm. they are working on it. And I think that that in a, in a small way kind of satisfies um, business owners that you can at least tag your products in your affiliates. But one thing I want to mention about idea pins is they are really good for boosting engagement and building your following. Mm-hmm. And those things tell the Pinterest algorithm that you're sharing high quality content and they should be distributing your content more widely. Okay. So even if you're not directing people to a product, it's okay to sh- still share ideas and inspiration. I think it's a little bit hard sometimes to justify how much time they take when you know they're not going right. directly to your website, but it's kind of one of those things of unfortunately kind of playing the game of the platform. Yeah. So and that, that kind of, I know we're all probably used to, okay, well, I just have to put up a picture and then it just, I link it and it goes directly to where I need it to go. But I guess, you know, things change with platforms, like just it, like it did with Instagram, launching reels. So we kind of have, like you said, we have to just kind of, you know, play the game and, you know, see how it helps us that way. Um, could you kind of go into more of more what changes, I guess, you know, why static pins may not be working as well? What are those updates that Pinterest, what they're making regarding on their platform? Yeah, so I've watched 
Pinterest has had different basically like webinars to kind of keep people up to date on the changes they're making, what they're doing to basically they understand that people are running a business here. And if there's not an exchange of money, then you know, you're not making money. And so they understand that people need to be able to monetize Pinterest. And so I think it was, I can't remember if it was the creator's festival or if it was a different webinar they hosted, but basically it was really exciting. They were talking about how they're working on making Pinterest more of a full funnel platform, because Mm -hmm. I think that in the past people were used to, you know, going to Pinterest for free ideas and inspiration. I will say though, like all of my clients with being TPT sellers, I think that I've not seen them struggle with monetizing their Pinterest traffic, but Pinterest is actually working on making it more shoppable so that people can actually even check out directly on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Now that has not been rolled out widely yet, but that's something that will be in beta as well. Mm-hmm. But with that said, I do still find that obviously standard pins and video pins. So the standard are just the normal pins we're all used to. Then video pins, they definitely still need to be a part of your strategy. But Pinterest has basically said that idea pins are still being favored for distribution just because they're that newest pin format. So I think that's why sometimes people, and I've had some of my clients be like, how did my pin get like 30 impressions? (laughs) And you're like, you know, it's frustrating. And I think too, if you're looking right after it's published, the thing about Pinterest is the half-life of the content can be as long as like four months. But a lot of my clients have legacy pins where it might be a pin, a standard pin from three or four years ago, and it still brings them traffic year over year and is like their top performing pin. Mm -hmm. So I think that even if you're seeing maybe in the moment, not the greatest stats from your standard pins. I think it's important to diversify your content. So still create the standard, the video, but I do think that idea pins are really not optional. And one thing I saw with my account personally was I had, and obviously everybody's opinion of viral is is different mm-hmm. based off of how much, you know, you're used to seeing with your own content. For me, it was what was more viral. And when I saw that with the idea pin, I didn't just see impressions or monthly views go up those more vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. When I had that idea pin perform really well, my outbound clicks. So clicks to my website also went way up that month. Mm-hmm. So I saw a correlation and obviously it couldn't have been directly attributed to that idea pin because it nothing was tagged or linked because I couldn't. So I think that's important to note too. So then it's like, okay, because I had that pin perform well is then Pinterest also more widely distributing my standard and my video. So I've seen that with my other clients too, though, that when they, we started creating idea pins, it wasn't just the vanity metrics, but also their, outbound clicks and also saves because you can save idea pins. All of those numbers went up though. So yeah, I would say that idea pins are not getting like the insane reach that they were when they were first rolled out. So I think that if you are, if you start creating them, don't think that they're going to like instantly go viral. Cause I've definitely seen them kind of plateau a little bit with like they're. I think they're still the most widely distributed pin, but not as crazy as they once were, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's good to know. 
So tell us some tips, some best practices in creating idea pins and using it in general. Yeah. So like I said, definitely share fully conceptualized ideas. So when somebody watches it, they can feel like, okay, I can go and take this idea and apply it in my classroom or in my reading groups or whatever. And uh, definitely use video content. So short form video, just, and really, in my opinion, idea pins are Pinterest way of keeping up with what people are kind of devouring in terms of content right now. So obviously Instagram has reels. YouTube has YouTube shorts. Um, I'm not a YouTuber, but I think that's what they're called, but I know it's short form video. And so, and even Facebook now with having reels on their platform. So definitely utilize video. That's what I'm seeing perform the best. And I would definitely test different things. You can try video content mixed in with still images. Mm -hmm. I usually do see just video perform the best, but I think it's always good to test and see what resonates the most with your audience. Cause there's obviously even within education, there's lots of different niches within it, whether you be a um, school counselor or an SLP, whatever. And um, with that short form video, you can even test. So I've tested with my clients, removing the watermark from TikTok and repurposing TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I have shared that like, whether you are actually demonstrating like a how-to or a DIY or tutorial and you're not actually showing your face, also Mm -hmm. test video content where you're talking directly to the camera. Because Mm -hmm. I think that idea pins, it's a different way for people to connect with Pinterest content creators in a way that they never have before. And there's something engaging about when you see somebody's face. And so I think that it might be out of the realm of some people's comfort, but I think that Instagram reels are kind of have already been pushing people out of their comfort zone. Yeah. So hopefully so too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, and I was, I was going to ask about like, is it okay to repurpose reels or TikTok videos that you've already created about a resource or something like that and use that in your pin? So yeah, absolutely. And I would say a couple of things that people have asked me about. So you can also repurpose reels too. You can download, um, your reel without the Instagram watermark as well. I would definitely say as far as best practices, make sure you remove the watermark. I think that all platforms are kind of picky about not wanting to see like a big TikTok watermark or an Instagram watermark, but think about strategically repurposing and not just taking any video content you're creating because there are nuances with each platform and TikTok, there's, and also Instagram, they have a lot of trends and sometimes there's voiceovers and it's just humorous or it's content that honestly won't resonate on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about what does your audience click on? What are they interested on on Pinterest? Cause it is a little bit of a different mindset for sure. So like I said, how to's tips, DIYs, tutorials, even guides, a lot of that will do well on Pinterest. But like I said, if it's like something that's funny or just like a trend or voiceover, sometimes those don't resonate as well. I've even tried repurposing some of my like dancing ones where I'm still sharing tips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do very well. Really? But yeah. And sometimes I think too, it's for, sometimes I think it's always, it's not always easy to figure out the rhyme or reason 
always why certain content takes off. But mm-hmm. um, so I haven't shared a, a lot of dancing stuff, but it definitely Pinterest is just, it's a different platform. So, um, and also be mindful too, that people have asked me about copyright because Pinterest has way less features as far as music. Mm-hmm. So I've had one of them I repurposed and I honestly just, and it was for my account. It was not a client's, but I wasn't even thinking about it. And it had, I was talking, but it had music in the background and Pinterest removed my audio. And mm-hmm. I think it's probably for copyright issues. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say, be careful about what you're repurposing in the audio, because like I said, Pinterest has a lot less I guess, features with that music when you're playing around, which kind of stinks in a way, because I would say Instagram and TikTok have a lot of the same audio where you can find it, you know, the same so that you don't have to worry about that. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, one thing to definitely think about, oh, and this is another huge tip for creating idea pins. Definitely create them on your Pinterest app on your phone, which is a pain. But when you create them on the app, Pinterest actually tells creators to do that because that's how you're going to be able to tag your products, add music, add stickers, add text. You can edit the duration like Mm -hmm. you can on TikTok or Instagram. You just have way more features than if you're doing it on the desktop. That's good to know. So use your app, Pinterest app, to make your idea pins. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Nice. Thank you for those tips. So um, let's see. How can teacher business owners in general uh, integrate their idea pins into their Pinterest strategy? So you kind of already talked about it, but like, let's say, you know, they are on Instagram and Facebook and email. How can they integrate what they're already doing and use that for Pinterest. Yeah. So kind of like not reinventing the wheel, right? Right, Exactly. (laughs) So I think this would be really relatable for teachers, but, and it's kind of what I do for my business, but I also see this with my clients as well. So let's say you have an anchor piece of content. What I consider like my anchor content would be my blog or a lot of people, like if you have a podcast where you're basically sharing long form content. And then what I do is I create a lot of my Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook content around what I'm sharing on the blog that week, as well as um, whatever I'm sharing in my emails. And so where I usually am creating my video content is typically on TikTok first, or you could on Instagram. But once you're creating that video content, like I said, you can save it without the watermark and basically repurpose that for Pinterest. So it's kind of changing your mindset a little bit and thinking about, okay, when I'm going to create on TikTok and Instagram, what is going to resonate on these different platforms? And like I said, the trends and some of the fun stuff still has its place. Mm -hmm. I kind of think I've changed my mindset a little bit about like, okay, what could I create on TikTok that I could also share on Pinterest and Instagram. And like I said, not every piece of content is going to work that way, but I've kind of changed my mindset. So then I'm not reinventing the wheel. And I have this TikTok video I've created that Mm -hmm. has basically taken what I'm sharing on my blog, whether that be like three ways to improve your Pinterest traffic. If you're seeing a dip, then I'm basically putting that into a tutorial 
And then I can share that on Pinterest. So it's kind of, I've changed my approach a little bit when I'm creating content, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Definitely. So that kind of saved me some time then so that I don't have to (laughs) create something so unique for every platform. And that, that can serve you as well. But I think that a lot of times too, you also need to think about like what can be streamlined (laughs) as much as possible. (laughs) Because that just, it just makes it easier for you and it takes less time, especially when you're able to kind of merge. It also is good with having brand consistency in general. So just kind of making some things, you know, similar, but tailoring it to the specific platform. So. Yeah. And we kind of talked about too, I think the one thing that I do tell people too, when I'm sharing different tips and stuff is just making sure that when you are sharing it to the different platforms, I'm sure most people know this by now, but just making sure that it's optimized. So when I'm creating that idea pen, I have the video content, but then I'm still utilizing the Pinterest features, like the stickers, mm-hmm. the ability to tag things. And then I'm making sure this is very important that I have an SEO, you know, keyword rich title. And then I'm also giving a really great description. And what I mean by description is there's different, there's three different options where you can have a list ingredients or notes. And so it's not like your typical description on Pinterest. So where I tell people to leave their basically pin description for an idea pin is within the notes section. And then you can include lots of characters. So you could include, you know, if I'm writing like a description that's like 500 plus characters, I can Mm -hmm. in those really important keywords that I would want to be ranking for, for that idea pin. Right. So that makes sense. Thank you for that. So do you have any, so let's say there's listeners out there, they are listening to this and they're like, I actually want to try this idea pin strategy. Do you have any ideas to help listeners create their first or next idea pen? Yeah. So I would say, like I mentioned, think about maybe taking something that you've already created and just start testing. And like I said, whether you have something where you're demonstrating like a tutorial, or maybe you even create one where you're like talking directly to the camera, but I would say take some content that you've already created and try testing it on Pinterest and seeing how it resonates with your audience. And a lot of times too, I think about what has performed well on other platforms that I think would also perform well on Pinterest. Like I said, one of my um, best performing idea pins, it was basically like a 60 second tutorial on how to get started on Pinterest. And it did really well on TikTok. And so I repurposed it for Pinterest and it did really well there as well. So maybe looking at what has already performed well on other platforms that you think is checking some of those boxes of, yes, it's educational. Yes, it's sharing a fully conceptualized idea. And um, one thing too is definitely test. It's okay, obviously, to share products and those things that you're trying to monetize, but also definitely test the free just ideas and inspiration and tips. Mm -hmm. So with the products, I would say if you have any engaging videos where maybe it's even just hands, but you're showing how the product is used or created, I think resonates a lot more with people and hooks them in more than just sharing like flat lays of products or, you know, product covers, anything like that. So 
just something else in mind too. Those are really great ideas. I think that would definitely get some brains gearing with some ideas for what they want to create next. So thank you for that. Yeah, I hope that was helpful. (laughs) So I know you do have a couple of things to share with other teacherpreneurs about how they can, you know, really dive in more into Pinterest and idea pins. So where can we learn more information about Pinterest from you? Yeah. So people can check out my website. That's emilyvales.com. And then I'm very active on Instagram. Um, my handle is at emily.vales. And then I'm on TikTok too, which is just Emily Vales. So pretty simple across those platforms. I would say I'm probably the most active on Instagram and TikTok. Um, but Instagram, if you want to send me a direct message, if you have questions, but I do have an idea pin starter kit too. So it's basically a mini course and it teaches you about the strategy, the creation, implementation, and then also how to analyze your idea pins because your stats are different than your standard or video pins. So it kind of gives you a good overview of not only how to create them, but analyze them and then kind of use that to, um, have better performance basically with your idea pins in the future. So I have that mini course or whatever, but if you just want to ask me questions, feel for people can feel free to send me a message on Instagram. I love helping people. And so I'm happy to share that way too. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun and I hope it was helpful to your audience. <laughs> Tell I'm kind of long-winded. So hopefully it's not no, you well. got- Tons of great information. So I think they'll get a lot of great stuff from you. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much. I've had fun talking to you. Yes, same to you. Okay, well, I am so blown away by the tips Emily shared. I, you know, a lot of them, I, of course, I am not the best at keeping up with Pinterest. And this has inspired me to actually give it a shot with these idea pins. So my creative action tip for you is to, Just soak in the tips that she has. Try one of those strategies that Emily is sharing and see what happens. It doesn't hurt. From my very, very limited experience with idea pins, like I've tried one, I did notice it does get a lot of traffic. So I know it is worthwhile looking into and trying at least for one or two of your resources. So there's no right or wrong way to get started. It's just getting started is the big one. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. I hope to see you guys again next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Creative Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed listening to today's episode, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to hear your feedback. You can also find me on Instagram at the Southern Teach. I cannot wait for you to join me in the next episode for more tips and inspiration. Have an amazing day. Spring Fling is an online conference for teacher business owners, and it's happening again on March 22nd through the 24th. I'm excited to share that I will be presenting at the conference again for the fourth time, believe it or not. And my topic is all about creating the resources that teachers really want. And I'm so excited to share with you this topic. It's something I haven't really shared about before, all about product creation. 
But this is just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many other topics that you're going to love. If you're wondering what Spring Fling is, this is an event for teacher business owners who are using their business to make an impact. So if you want to amp that up, then this is just a free online conference where you can meet other teacher business owners, connect with others, and also learn a lot of great insight and information that is kept with the times. It's up to date for 2024. So if this is something you're interested in, I highly recommend you check out my affiliate link in the description where you're listening to this episode. You can sign up completely for free, but there is also an extra upgrade that you can access. It's all access pass with extra bonuses and more time to watch all of the amazing sessions. So I can't wait to see you there. I hope you can sign up.